We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. 861-TALK, 861-8255. If you're calling long distance, be sure and put the area code in front of that 303. Let's go back to the phone. We are going to Montbello. You're on KOA. Yes, Alan. Uh, I heard the last... There is the best. Uh, two <laughs> I'm a I boy. That's the voice, and uh, that was a moment. Saturday morning, everyone. Good morning. One little, little burst of the voice. 53... Will be the high today on a Saturday morning. This is 710 KNUS Denver's talk station. I'm Peter Boyles. 53 and 27 tonight, 50 Sunday, Monday, 55 degrees. Without further ado, um, this I first of all say this all the time. He's the best politician in Denver. He is, politician doesn't even really apply to Kevin. He's a public servant. Uh, he is a longtime friend, and because of our friendship and his hard work and attempting to get that voice into the into the Hall of Fame. Our first step took place when Allen Berg was brought into the Press Club Hall of Fame. And there's been uh, two other movies been talked about, but Kevin and the late Gary Gerhardt did a remarkable book that came called entitled The Silent Brotherhood. And uh, they really were, I think, very courageous in delivering this inside account of The Silent Brotherhood. And now it's going to become a film, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. He's my friend. Kevin, good morning, man. Thanks for doing the radio show. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, really appreciate it, Peter. How you oh, been? You know, good. Really good. It's yeah. It's been, um, as you know, there's two other, um, well, let's go back. When when Alan went into the Hall of Fame, yeah. and, and that night when we sat there, and uh, and how tremendous you were, and, and, and Susu came, and the three of us sat, and... Um, and and finally, uh, and and again, because of the the men who now run the men and women who now run the press club, that AB finally comes in, and now this comes. I want you to take us all the way back, 1983, and you now you know more about how, what this film is going to look like, and you get you you hinted me some things, but I'm not comfortable in talking about things unless you think it's okay, but. Take us back to take us back to eighty three. There's bank robberies and counterfeit operations and that armored car job, murders and, and as I said, by the way, they all called one another. They called each other patriots. Um, all the way up in uh, Spokane, yeah. in north uh, northeast Washington, state of Washington. Yeah, um, it all revolved around a rather fascinating individual that we would have loved uh, Gary and I uh, to uh, interview. But, of course, he uh, never gave up and fought to the end and was uh, killed in the standoff with the FBI on Whidbey Island in 1984. That's Bob Matthews. Bob Matthews is a kid who grew up in Marfa, Texas for a while, and then family moved to Phoenix and at a young age. In fact, it was 1964. It was when Barry Goldwater was running, and, of course, he was the Arizona senator, and uh, little Bob Matthews, I think he was 11 or 12 years old at the time, uh, 11 he was, and uh, he started reading about uh, the Goldwater campaign, and that sort of led him 
to read about the John Birch Society. And lo and behold, his parents allowed him to become a young member of the John Birch Society in Phoenix. And that sort of started his journey into uh, Minutemen-type paramilitary groups in the uh, in the desert outside of Phoenix, Cave Creek area. Uh, he had a little paramilitary group down there that was uh, training for um, you know the uh, the revolution, and uh, got arrested. His parents thought he learned his lesson. He left the group. Uh, he seemed to straighten his path out. Then he moved to North, uh, Northeast Washington, and he's told his parents, never again, don't have to worry about me anymore. Just a, a really fascinating um, transformation. We interviewed his mom, uh, who went up there to live with him uh, after her uh, husband passed away. Uh, she lived up there in Medellin Falls, a little town very close to the Canadian border. And um, slowly but surely, uh, Pete, he got sucked back in, and the proximate cause of that was the Aryan Nations. The Aryan Nations compound was very, very close to Medellin Falls. It was in Hayden Lake, Idaho, just across the, the line from Spokane. And he started going there, and he started providing security for Pastor Butler's rallies in Spokane and Coeur d'Alene. And, uh, and then he decided, we got to take this further. So, as you said, they started um, robbing. They started counterfeiting money. Uh, they robbed a, uh, an adult bookstore. They mm -hmm. robbed an armored car in Seattle, uh, got off at the six-figured amount, <clears throat> and they just grew from there. Uh, started adding members. We counted, I think, about 42 individuals who were either deeply in or peripherally involved in uh, the Silent Brotherhood. They called themselves Bruderschweigen. Silent Brotherhood, uh, but because of the uh, book by William Pierce called The Turner Diaries, mm -hmm. the gang there was called The Order. Mm -hmm. So the media, in including us, at the, Gary and I at the Rocky Mountain News and the late John Akalos, our writing partner also, um, the popularly known as The Order. And uh, took a while for the FBI to, to uh, crack the case. But as uh, usually happens, Pete, when when people are uh, committing crimes, they make a number of mistakes. And one uh, missing gun, pistol, uh, led to the identification of one member that sort of opened the uh, opened the door to the entire uh, back room of who were all the people in this gang. And, and that's what led them to crack the case. Uh, FBI agent up there, uh, Wayne Manis, uh, is uh, sort of the principal figure. And he will be the uh, the principal figure in the uh, movie, although it doesn't use his name, uh, but that's who it's built around is Wayne Manis, uh, the FBI agent out of Coeur d'Alene. Our guest uh, is, excuse me, let me reset. Kevin Flynn, everyone, um, city councilman and dear friend, and he and the late Gary Gerhardt wrote a book about, and one of the parts of the book was the murder <clears throat> of radio talk show host Alan Berg, although it's not the focus of the book. And now a film is going to be made. It's it's been a long time coming. Do you think, and again, Kevin is one of the brightest guys I know, truly is, do you see comparison analysis between certain movements in this country today and the Matthews crew? Do you see anything that jumps across? Oh, certainly, certainly. And you know what, it's, and it's not just today, and it, it's not just since the order. It's prior to and subsequent mm -hmm. to 
uh, you always see these undercurrents. You had the, uh, uh, you know, the American uh, Nazi movement uh, in the 30s uh, yeah. leading to uh, Hitler. And, uh, you had the rally in Madison Square Garden, I think it was. Fritz Kuhn was the guy's name. Fritz Kuhn, uh-huh. who had been a German uh-huh. soldier in the First World War. And uh, Fritz Kuhn headed up the uh, American Nazi Party. You can draw straight. You, you can draw a thread through all those movements, and even preceding that, uh, it's clear up through the '60s, '70s, '80s, the Ku Klux Klan, uh, the Minutemen, uh, uh-huh. the uh, uh, the John Birch Society, and offshoots mm-hmm. of it, all the way through uh, today. And you know, I I think you might be able to put uh, the Proud Boys and mm-hmm. uh, Three Percenters in with that. Yeah. Uh, it's a very hard right. Uh, and uh, um, it's, it's nothing new. I think it's always present somewhere in, in, in society, just as groups on the hard left are. Mm-hmm. Ever oh, yeah, very much so. Oh, absolutely. And uh, most of us live most of us live in the middle. Yes. And, you know, we try to bring people together. Uh, you know, that's what I try to do. Get everybody at the mm-hmm. table and, and work from there. But uh, sometimes you have folks on the outer edges that uh, actually they have more in common with each other than they don't. Oh. It's and Barry and I used to sure. talk about this. Sure. Uh, we, uh, we we used to talk a lot about how uh, hard right and hard left, it seemed to be a circle. Oh, they, they see each had... other. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And their, yes. their demands are much the same. What was, uh-huh. the, yeah, what was the truth? Um, the Ukiah bank job, the bank, the uh, armored car, how much money, mm-hmm. Kevin, did they get in, in, the, Ukiah, in the Ukiah stop? $3.8 million. How much of that was ever recovered? Very little. Yeah. Now, very little. There were, I'm we sorry. know where they claimed it went. We know that they claimed that it, uh, some of it went to uh, Lube, clan Lube, groups, Lube Nazi groups. Blue um, yeah. yeah, uh, Beam. The uh, uh, William Pierce was alleged to have received, yeah. and he denied it. We interviewed Pierce, <laughs> by the way. William Pierce. What was he like? Uh, Pierce wrote the Turner Diaries, by the way. What was he? What was Pierce like? He was very circumspect, uh, not very, I don't think we found him very open. It was kind of interesting as we were talking to him, uh, we were going through maybe about 15, 20 minutes into the interview, and it was by telephone. Okay. Um, he says, uh, you know, he says, I, I don't usually give interviews. And so I, I remember saying, well, that's what this is. I think that's what you're doing right now, uh, William. So, uh, but he continued and, uh, one of the more fascinating interviews was William Butler, uh, I, the head of the Aryan Nations. Yep. Butler did a radio show with us way before everything happened. Richard, I'm sorry, Richard Butler. Richard Butler, yeah. Richard Butler. They did, yeah. yeah. And a little known fact that we turned up in the course of researching the book, and you know this, uh, William, uh, William, Richard Butler grew up in Denver. Hmm? He, was, he was born in Bennett. Yep. His family moved to Denver. The house where he grew up still stands. I'm not going to give the address. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on it's on Lincoln Street, and uh, and I go by it every once in a while when I head into downtown. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that little boy that grew up there uh, really, really did a lot of damage. Yes, he did uh, to America. Uh, he moved to his family moved to California when he was a teenager, and he grew up in the Los Angeles area. Very accomplished guy, by the way. I think he had a couple of patents to his name. And it uh, was, was fairly well-to-do by the time he moved up to Idaho from Southern California, started the Aryan Nations. 
What is it? What, I mean, you've done this great work. Kevin Flynn's here, and we're talking about his book, The Silent Brotherhood, that will now be made into a film. And, of course, if you have the opportunity, this is a man you do vote for it. If you're in Kevin's district, I, Kevin hung the moon. And so what brings them to the moment where they're going to act? Um, 83, I think, is when they start mm-hmm. these bank robberies and counterfeitings you pointed out, and they stick up these armored yep. cars. What was the predicator they decided, okay, we're going we're gonna to begin to do it? Actually, we're going to actually perform. I think if you, if you read the account, you'll see that it's, it's like a pot on the stove. Uh, and it starts to simmer and it starts to, you're full of, you're, you're, you're boiling a pot of water. And one, at one point, the bubbles start to come up, not a whole lot of them, uh, but there's this anxiety, this anxiousness to do more, to stop talking. Pastor Butler did a lot of rallies in Spokane and Bob Matthews and a lot of the folks around him were providing quote to the security. I think the moment that it happened was actually captured on camera, uh, the catalyst for it. And uh, there's a picture of it in the book. And uh, some of the uh, anti-racist counter-demonstrators were uh, you know, obviously forming a line and the uh, surrounding the event. And Bob Matthews stepped forward and challenged some of them and, and yeah. started very deliberately and very forcefully. And, and a photographer in Spokane caught that moment and we bought it for the book. And so you can see it and with his arm stretched down his finger oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and very firmly talking to the counter demonstrators. And we were told by uh, Bruce Pierce and several others, Bruce Pierce was one of the Aryan nation's guards that when they saw that they realized that here's somebody who really wants to step out of the passive sort of, you know, standing guard and wants to actually take it to the next step. He's willing to act. So they all met at Bob's place. He had a a two-story shed on his property, sort of a rural uh, property. He raised some cattle up there in Medellin Falls, and uh, they they met in his shed that was called, ah, dang, you know, I've forgotten more than I knew about this, by the way. It's been 33 years since the book. But the the barracks, they called it the barracks. And nine guys met in there, and they said, we're going to take this uh, further. And they took an oath. They put a newborn baby. Mm-hmm. One of the guys had a, just had a child. They laid that baby on a blanket surrounded with candles, and they took the oath. Uh, they swore to each other that they would, uh, that they would take action. And, uh, and they did. They did. Kevin Flynn. Can I say yeah. something real quick, sure. by the way? Of course. Uh, I don't know if you need to take a break yet. No, but no, please. I just want to say how wonderful it was to work with Gary. He passed away six, seven years ago uh, as a partner. We took our book advance and spent practically the whole time <laughs> traveling what we call the Aryan Trail. Mm-hmm. We went to the Ukiah bank robbery site. We interviewed FBI. We went to the Aryan Nations. We interviewed everybody up there. And uh, we spent about two weeks uh, on the road uh, together. And then obviously we spent a year and a half in the writing uh a portion of it, and it was just a privilege for me to work. He was a great guy, such a, a, I, a gentle giant. Yeah, I didn't know him as well as, of course, I know you, but I knew him. And mm-hmm. when the book, dro- as they say, the book dropped, and mm-hmm. and um, everybody—I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of us—started to read it. 
And even though we had been involved in the trials and everything that happened, there was so much, and I've told somebody this, so much I didn't know. And, you know, it affected yep. all of us so, I mean, it still affects us. And uh, yeah, that I, yeah. I, I, I didn't know until you and Gary did what you did. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we owe a lot of it to the cooperation of some of the gang members. We did, when they were on trial here in Denver, mm-hmm. in federal court, Judge Mach was the uh, judge yeah. for that. They were being held at the Arapahoe County Jail uh, down by Centennial Airport. And Gary and I would go there every day after work, and we would sit in the cells and uh, and do interviews with them. Uh, they'd already they'd already been they'd already been sentenced in the RICO trial in Seattle. So, correct. What was there at a point where they said we had nothing else to lose, or they simply wanted to talk? Wanted to talk. There were some things they talked around, right? David Lane, for example, never admitted that he was on the scene mm. when Alan was when Alan mm-hmm. Bird was gunned down on Adams Street, fourteen forty five Adams. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he would never admit to that. Uh, he would talk around it, right. right? But we had other sources that told us yeah. exactly uh, who was where at the time the shots were fired. Yeah. We, we knew after Alan and I and General Electric and KOA were all sued by uh, Rick Elliott. Rod Rick, you call me mm-hmm. Rick Elliott. And yeah. we later found out David Lane was his printer and was actually in the other room. I knew none of this when we lit Rick Elliott up. And, you know, it's like um, the night that he went in the hall. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, by the way, Kevin's married to one of the neatest women of all time, too. And uh, (laughs) and she, Harriet, I I love Harriet. And and I'm close to a pause, but I left the press club and got in the truck, and I drove over to Adam Street, stopped, said, no, no, you know, it's like, what a long haul. Whew. We got it done. Yeah. Hey, Harriet, Harriet no. thank you for mentioning Oh, Harriet. no, quit it. Quit fantastic. It. I, I always thought that uh, uh, I would probably get more votes if my yard sign said, uh, uh, vote for Harriet's yeah. husband. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably more, more was, uh, popular than I am. Yeah. You got a She's question? What? <laughs> well, well, so, so what? Let me, let me put um, Kevin on hold. Uh, 710 KNUS Denver's talk station. Hold on. Um, this is a weird text. Uh, blame Whitey for everything. <laughs> okay. Ask your guest. We're talking about an incident in time. I, the, 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 the ability to, to do this has not stopped since 9 o'clock this morning. 710 KNUS Denver's talk station. It ain't my fault, right? I'm an old guy, and you know, it's like if I hadn't walked into Senegenics and found Dr. McCallan, we talk about this a lot, and McCallan is my healer. She's my lifesaver. And if you heard me say it before, I'll say it again. Dr. McCallan saved my life, and she kept me healthy ever since. I can't imagine a world where you're not, you know, who I have been able to become because of Dr. McCallan. And it's necessary to get and keep you well, not only healthy, but optimally healthy. If the world existed at Cynogenics Denver, you'll be seen and cared for by the by the great doctors and the staff. And uh, Michelle's there when she answers the phone, and she's more than just that. Helping you achieve your peak cognitive, physical, and metabolic health. I'm going to be 80 this year. I'm going to look into my new motorcycle with my grandson today. We ski. We're going to ski uh, Tuesday together, my son and I. 
ride motorcycles, we're planning on going to the Custer Battlefield, to the Little Bighorn Battlefield on our motorcycles this summer. Uh, the general is going to go, and I mean, all kinds of guys are going to go make the trip. Life is too short. Your health is too precious. Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't don't wait for test results. Um, I can't tell you how wonderful Dr. McCallan called her, 720-302-2992, 720-302-2992, and Michelle will answer the phone, and denversenogenics.com is the web. Get it, get it off the ground. All right, let's bring it back after this. It's 26 after the hour of 10, 1026, Saturday morning, 710 KNUS, Denver's talk station, the 18th of February. 53 will be the high and 50 on Sunday. Back to work Monday, 55 degrees. Kevin Flynn is with us. MUFON coming up. Ski season is running hard. My son and I are going to go. We won't ski President's Day. We'll ski the next day. And the mountain will be back. Tons of people ski on the weekends. And it's really, I've learned to learn to ski like Monday, Tuesday. The snow is great right now, Winter Park. They're getting snow. It's time to visit Larson Ski and Sport and get all your gear, new gear, or, again, rentals and try something out. They have a thing called demos. It was really renting brand-new equipment or pretty new equipment and test driving. If you need any ski or snowboard gear, go to Larson Ski and Sport. Remember, with kids or grandkids, you do rentals because next year it won't fit. If you're looking for a day or a season rental, Larson still has rental available. And so if you're looking for new ski boots, they got new ski boots coming, new technology, best fitting process. The guys at Larson's will take the time to get to know you and your family, match you with all the right brands, enjoy your time on the hill. Larson's is so convenient. Stop on the way up, stop on the way home. The big wooden building south of I-70 on Kipling. So you're going westbound on I-70. Get off on the Kipling exit, come down the ramp, make a left, go south. You go underneath. There's a tunnel right under I-70. Come out the other side. And there's the, the Crab Shack. Right next to the Crab Shack is a big wooden box building, seven days a week. Larson Ski and Sport. So convenient. You can stop on the way up or on the way home. The big wooden building, south of I-70 on Kipling. Everything's available. From snowboards to cross country to snowshoes to rockers to side cuts to fats. John and the guys are absolute experts. Warm, warm clothes, helmets, goggles. Stop in a day. Tell them I sent you. Larson Ski and Sport. South of I-70 on Kipling, 303-423-0654, 303-423-0654. But seven days a week, there, there, LarsonSport.com. Our guest is the one and only Kevin Flynn, city councilman. And the news came last week that his book, his and Gary Gerhardt's book, is now going to be made into a major motion picture. Um, I knew that they had been talking to you, and, of course, there was a couple other film guys that have been you know, coming into town and yeah. talking. The one crew was here the night that um, Alan got um, was brought into the hall. The, that crew from mm-hmm. California had come here. Um, right. how, how did all of this work? That and how do you you know? You, I know you get an agent, but what goes from there? There were, I think, there were three different groups uh, circling around this. Yeah. And you and I had dinner uh, one night at Racine's. Uh, I brought Harriet along, and, yeah. and I remember meeting them there at Racine's. Um, it's very uh, interesting story, uh, maybe to me, maybe to no one else. Mm. But uh, October 2017, uh, Harriet's older son had done really well at work, and he treated uh, me and Harriet to a two-week cruise through the Panama Canal. And uh, her son and his wife and his mother-in-law came, uh, and it was in the middle of that. Of course, I'm always working, right? So I got my iPad with me. I'm checking work emails. I'm answering constituents while we're going through the locks, you know, uh, can't get away from it. So I get this, I get two emails within a week 
from producers who asked if uh, the movie rights were available. And I said, well, that's odd. You know, uh, two different groups, one in New York, one in L.A. And so when I got back, I had to reconnect with my agent after I did my I did a, a book after this and uh, had a, had my agent uh, pitch about five other uh, books through the 90s. And uh, by 1999, I kind of said, well, I got to concentrate on work and everything else. So I moved on. So I had to literally reconnect with my agent. I didn't even know if he was still in business. He had to get the film rights back from the uh, uh, from the publisher mm-hmm. uh, so that he could market them. So we started talking with the, the group in California. It was Brian Haas and Zach Balin. Zach Balin is the scriptwriter who was Oscar nominated last year for the screenplay for King Richard. Wow. Uh, the, the story of uh, Richard Williams, the father of Venus sure. and Serena Williams. Sure. And, yeah. And uh, didn't win the Oscar, but, you know, he was he was there and uh, uh, and and actually you know when I got back from that cruise Councilwoman Sussman Mary Beth Sussman mm-hmm. came to me one day and she said you know my, my son-in-law called me turns out Zach Balin is her son-in-law he's married to, to Mary Beth's daughter and she says my son-in-law called me and said do you are you on the council with a guy named Kevin Flynn did he write a book about <laughs> the Alan Bergmer mm-hmm. you know one of the, that's like only two degrees of Kevin Bacon right there and so we started talking, and so Brian uh, Haas and Zach, they uh, paid uh, Nancy Gerhardt, Gary's widow, and I uh, a holding fee, like $1,000 a year, to have the exclusive right to market the book. So we said, yeah, sure, knock yourself out. Sure. I didn't know if anything would come of it, but after 30, you know, 33 years after the book came out, you know, who am I to say, no, nah, we're going to wait for a better offer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So about about two years ago, I got a copy of the script, and uh, I'm just so busy. I didn't even, I didn't even read the. I read a little bit of it, and uh, but I got, I'm too busy at, uh, at city council. So uh, every year they would renew, and then we heard at one point that they had a director uh, and a and a lead actor signed up, and that was pretty cool. Uh, but the delay cost them that arrangement. They had to make another one. They ended up with uh, the star, uh, uh, the actors signed up for this are Jude Law, who will play the FBI lead, wow. and, uh, and Nicholas Holt, who is playing uh, the Bob Matthews character. Are they going to call him Bob Matthews? Uh, you know what? I'd have to look at the script okay. to remind right. myself of that. Because, you know, all those names, we, we almost know them, you know, like, as you mentioned. Yeah. I wonder if they will... I, I like I was thinking about because I you know I knew we were going to talk today, and I know when they made uh, the motion picture Goodfellas, um, some of the some of the family said no, you can't use, and some of the family said yeah, you can use his name, but um, mm-hmm. some yeah. of them said no, and I would wonder, you know, what Matthews's family would say or Pierce's family would say or any of those guys yeah. or, or the Yarboroughs or whomever it was, yeah, and. Well, that you know, that's up to the the studio to oh. settle all that, and I'll, I'll leave that in their hands. Yeah. So, uh, right before Christmas, so mid December, I uh, heard from our agent, and that uh, they had a, a stu- an offer from a studio, and we had a contract to consider. And so, uh, my agent brought on a film rights partner and uh, worked it out, and we worked through January, and I guess uh, by the time you read. We agreed to the terms, 
And then I said, well, can I tell people? And they said, well, you can you know, tell your family and friends, but don't, uh, you know, don't broadcast it. Let the studio work it out on their own timetable. And they said, well, yeah, it could be six months, it could be a year, you never know. Next thing I know, like four days later, uh, <laughs> Mary Beth Sussman is tagging me on Facebook, and it came out on a, in, in the Hollywood press. That's where I saw it. Yeah, I remember you, you sent me over yeah. something. I went, wait a minute. And yeah. they're, they're going to make it. They start filming in May yeah. in Alberta, Canada. Here, Kevin Flynn's here, and this it's going to be 53 today and 50 tomorrow. Uh, his book and Gary's book, The Silent Brotherhood, Inside America's Racist Underground, will now be a film. And, how, you know, you, 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 you tipped your hat a little bit. You'd seen some things in the script, and I certainly won't tell anyone what you told me about how this was going to. But uh, mm-hmm. one of the questions that always comes up when people bring this up is why, did, why, did this, why they decided to murder Alan. What was the point of murdering Alan Berg? Boy, uh, yeah, we've talked about this before, but uh, for your for your listeners, uh, they drew up a hit list, mm-hmm. and the names that are on it wouldn't surprise folks because they were nationally mm-hmm. known, uh, left leaning. Uh, you know, Morris Dees from the Southern Poverty Law Center, Henry Kissinger, other people, <laughs> yeah, Henry yeah, Kissinger, yeah. yeah, wow, yeah. But you know, because you mentioned Rick Elliott and David mm-hmm. Lane, mm-hmm. Uh, you know that you and Alan both had Rick Elliott on the air yep. as a result of uh, what Alan did to him. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, David Lane lost his job because yeah. the paper that Roderick uh, Elliott well, actually, I called under, they pulled the advertising. Yeah, no, I called Pat Schroeder. Um, right, right. I, I, Pat because, was, because she, Roderick's paper yeah. ran. Uh, ran the uh, an article Marine on the, Corps, the calls yeah. of the learned elders of Zion, the anti-Semitic uh, hoax from the early 19, early twentieth century. No, from the Czar's Okrana. You, you noticed, I think, yeah. in in that paper, they were the Marine Corps was running recruiting ads. The Air Force, the that Army, was, everybody had. I mean, one of the things that kept that paper alive mm-hmm. were recruitment ads, and mm-hmm. Schroeder was the head of arm, arm, armed forces and. Armed Force Armed uh, Services Committee, committee in, yeah, in, the in the House. And I always got along with her. And I called her and I said, Congresswoman, do you know <laughs> where? And she yanked the ads. She yanked the ads. And mm-hmm. that's and that's when he sued. He sued me and he sued mm-hmm. AB and he sued. They sued General Electric. They sued KOA. I mean, we were brought into a meeting um, with uh, Joel Day. And they said, hey, you boys. Yep. And it was. Rod Rick, you call him Rick Elliott, mm-hmm. who also went to the rem- yeah. Oh, man. I remember that lawsuit well because Gary and I read the entire, uh, all of the pleadings and all of the filings, and it contained great excerpts from all of the oh, uh, all of the shows that yeah. were pertinent to the story in the book. Yeah. So we were able to use actual direct quotes mm-hmm. from the radio shows. And I remember uh, Alan saying at one point that, you know, pulling, you know, the Marines are looking for a few good men in this anti-Semitic paper. He says, yeah, hey, you know, uh, Jew haters and anti-Semites <laughs> might make good soldiers. And, and it, then he actually said yeah. they probably wouldn't get anybody if they put the ad in the B'nai B'rith paper. <laughs> but, he, you know, and I think, well, what do I know? But I think that that's what turned them on to him and, and me mm-hmm. and me to a lesser, obviously, a much lesser degree than Alan. But. Yeah. And then yeah. and then he went to night. So that's how yeah. David Lane ensured that when they were putting the hit list, yeah. that Alan Berg got put on yeah. there. 
Now, you know he had a national profile a couple months before that. because We were on 60 Minutes. The both of us. Morally safer. And both yeah. of us were. We were safer. Mm-hmm. Safer came to, to actually to do an interview with us. And then I've told this story probably not enough, but Berg's working. He had gone to the Knights, and they set these really mm-hmm. cool cameras up in KOA. And he came in, took one look at those cameras, took one look at Morley Safer, and said, this isn't getting out of town without me being part of it. And I, you know, I could, <laughs> I, I could read him. You know, I, he was... I loved him, and I just shoveled over, and and he he gave Safer what Safer was looking for, um, mm-hmm. was this flamboyant cigarette going tie, and and he and it was beauty. Yeah. We, we watched it, it; it aired on a Super Bowl Sunday. We we watched it together, sat, watched it, and mm-hmm. there's there some some really? doofus from Ohio was on, and I was on it, and, and he was he was the focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, man, I hadn't thought of that in a long time, and um, and and then. They decided to do what they decided to do. But I, he I, was an easy target of opportunity, oh, much easier yeah. than someone like Morris Dees. Yeah. When right? you did, you did say you had to look at the script, and there is a change, and I, I won't, I won't, I won't break kayfabe. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's not you know movies. Uh, it can't stay true to the book. Uh, least of all, the book that Gary and I did. Yeah, we had like forty. We had forty-two characters. We had so yeah. many characters. We had to put a list of characters in the mm-hmm. front so that if people got in the middle of the book and they said, well, who the heck is this guy? You know, <laughs> they can flip back. Okay, that's what it is. Alan so they combine, you know, they combine characters mm-hmm. and they condense events and things like that. I thought about you. I'm currently, Alan Pendergast has now done a book about mm-hmm. uh, about Denver and about, you know, the crime guys and that guy, DeCristo, who was the DA and all the stuff that's going on in Denver. And what made, when I, when I finally read the book and I, I had I bought the book the Silent Brotherhood, but I didn't read it. I I was you know like it was mm-hmm. it was too raw to read for me. And then when I did read it, and then you know you did the addresses and where this was and where that was, and and that's what Pendergast is doing it now. You know, but where these different crime guys and where the clan lived, and mm-hmm. you know, and you think to yourself, it doesn't go, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. It just sticks around. No. Yeah. Yep. Always present, and I said, like I said, the vast majority of people live in the great middle, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. you know, they just want, you know, they just they just want a good yes, quality of life. Kevin Flynn's with oh. his final couple of things. There's, are, are there any of those guys still left alive? Is Katari still alive? I believe so. Yeah, uh, a number of people have gotten out. They served their time, uh, but uh, those who died in prison uh, are the key, basically the key figures. Of course, Bob Matthews. Was was killed in the uh, fire uh, in the house that was set on fire when the FBI dropped uh, a, a flare into mm-hmm. the house and set it on fire. He chose not to come out. Uh, Gary Yarbrough mm-hmm. died in prison. Uh, Bruce Pierce, who was the person mm-hmm. who pulled the trigger mm-hmm. on Adams Street that night, uh, died in prison. David Lane died in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeannie Craig, yes. uh, the grandma, uh, who did the surveillance yeah. on Adams. Well, she watched him, yeah. Uh, Came in, and she came into the KOA uh, yes, she desk, did. front desk, and she got the bio. She got the pictures. On. Yes, she did. Yes, <laughs> yeah. she did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she she died in uh, she died yeah. in prison as well. And her daughter. It's do- been a long time. Yeah. She, oh man. And her daughter has Bob Matthews's baby, or now he's an adult. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow, Kevin. Yeah. What a road. What a road. Yeah. Now. So yeah, I'm the, it makes me the only city council member with two books, a movie. <laughs> And an Emmy Award from That's right. the, you remember the old Channel well, of Twelve? Of course show. I do. Of course I do. We yeah. got a regional Emmy for that. Yes, we did. 
You, this is a one and only, I mean, I, I tell you how much I love him. We really became friends when um, I got subpoenaed to a couple of those trials. We had to because of the role we played in it. And we, yeah, we, 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 yeah, we, yeah, we became friends in, uh, in Seattle at the RICO trial. How many, how mm-hmm. many counts, how many counts of RICO were against Alan's, Alan's murder was only a, like number 28 or something. I forget the number. Oh yeah. Uh, there were, there were 40 some uh, mm-hmm. counts in there. Predicate, predicate acts, they call them, mm-hmm. uh, various crimes. Uh, the, uh, you know, that $3.8 million Brinks robbery, yep. uh, they left, they left money in the truck. Mm-hmm. Because it was timed, and when they reached the time to leave, they left they left money on the floor of the truck. Unfortunately, uh, Bob Matthews himself left a gun and yeah, threw a gun floor. down. Yeah, it was he stuck it in his waistband, yeah. and it worked its way out. Yeah. And they didn't realize it until they were they were at their little bivouac in mm-hmm. the woods. They had hid out in the woods for like three days yeah. until they figured uh, they weren't being looked for anymore. <clears throat> Do you believe no. that when they were fleeing town, and I, I, I tend to believe it, that they were listening to Kenny Hamlin on KOA? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow. They were. I thought about that. They stayed at a, uh, they, they went, to, after they after they fired the shots, they took off, they stayed at a motel up on Peoria Street. Mm-hmm. And then in the morning, and they watched the news, they listened yeah. to the radio, and then in the morning they split up. Uh, Pierce and Matthews went up to Laramie. Where uh, Jeannie Craig's daughter was living, and David Lane took a load of counterfeit money and drove to. This is weird. I drove to Philadelphia mm-hmm. uh, with a load of counterfeit money, gave it to an accomplice there, yeah. and then he went up and, and hid out in my hometown mm. of Easton, Pennsylvania. Yeah. It turns out that his brother-in-law, his sister, was married to a guy that a good friend of my parents uh, uh, went. <sighs> they went to high school together. Wow. Yeah, they went to my high school, uh, which is kind of odd. Oh, another weird connection, Harriet. Her uncle was a deputy sheriff in uh, in Santa Rosa, and was involved in the aftermath of the Ukiah uh, armored car robbery. Was involved in, in this hunt for suspects mm-hmm. after the armored car robbery. Small world. Oh, it's amazing how what that story was about and where where it led, and you know, and and mm-hmm. and the trials and the aftermath. And um, yeah. so you, now, you know what I found out. Yeah, you know what I found out. Pete? I didn't realize this. Harriet went online to order a couple of books for some friends, uh, maybe a year or so ago. And when they arrived, I was I was stunned. It was it's a soft cover version of the hardcover. Mm. So the book went out of print years ago, right? We had and there were two paperback editions that came out in '91 and then '95 after the Oklahoma City bombing, uh, because uh, uh, Tim McVeigh was a big fan of the order. Oh man! So, uh, well, he, he that's how the, 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 isn't that how he. He fueled himself as he traveled and sold mm-hmm. copies of the Turner Diaries. Yep, exactly. That's what I thought. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so when they arrived, it's a it's the same size as the hardcover. Uh, it has the same picture on the front. It doesn't have the paperback uh, covers. So it's a soft cover version of the hardcover. I had no idea, mm-hmm. but Simon and Schuster, which is a publisher, mm-hmm. has print on demand. So if you order them, they just hit a button. And they print them up and they send them off to you. You I will. How gonna, much the book yeah. industry has changed when, since, since I did my two books? Yeah, when Kevin and I first, when Kevin first told me that the film was going to be made, I said, well, "Tell your publisher, start to print, because people are going to want to read it." Will you be? Will you be in any and all fashions be giving advice to this film, or is it simply they bought the yeah, book? Part now? of the deal. 
Yeah, part of the deal is that I'm available for consulting. Okay. Uh, I call it a, a sit down and shut up fee. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, sure. Probably, oh, yeah. 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 This is stay out of our way. Oh yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Cer- certainly available. And yeah. of course, my, my agent is talking to Simon and Schuster about uh, oh, uh, reissuing. Has to be to, to, to buy it in. Has right. to be. Um, the election is pending, and let me give a plug. I have never given money to a candidate. <laughs> That's the truth. In all the years I've actually, I take it back. I gave Tancredo some money once when, because I love him. This is the only other candidate for office I've ever given any money to. If that means any, that could be the kiss of death for you. But I, I, <laughs> I don't, I donated to Kevin's. That's how much. That's how I feel about Kevin, and I, actually how I feel about Tom too. So, um, well, thank you, Pete. I, no, I have, no, have had support from across the board. Uh, people in my district. Uh, it's a very diverse district, and we have people all across the political spectrum. And I have worked with all of them. That's that's just the way I work. Oh, I didn't are, run to do are. what I no. I didn't run to do what I want. No. I ran to do I ran to get for my constituents what they want. And so you know, I'm very proud of how we pulled the community together on things like the Loretto Heights development and and some other projects in the district uh, that everybody's voices were heard. And my my uh, mantra is nobody gets everything they want. That's right. That's everybody gets something that they need, right? Uh, that that's how you have to work. I just believe in that. That that's the way to do things. There's no one finer, you guys. Believe me, um, he was with us all the way, and I don't know if Alan would have ever gotten into the hall without Kevin and um, everything that he's done. And if you're in the district, I'll talk to you. Uh, I love you, man. Thank you. And the best to Harriet, who's, like I said, you're the luckiest guy I know. And um, I am. We'll talk. Thanks, Kevin. All right. All right Take bye care, bye. man. Thanks, man. You too. All right. We'll take some calls in here, but let me let me get something out. David Ellis, Cherry Creek. You heard me talk about David all the time, taking your valuables to David. Get your and, a, and again, a fortune in cash. You don't know what you're sitting on. And to secure an appraisal from David for all your valuables, you got them tucked away in your home. It's true. So let me share the one reason to see David, just in case you don't have a Rolex or a rare coin set or tea set from made out of silver and it's 200 years old, but just to see David for every day. Go see David for all your most meaningful gift-giving occasions you missed on Valentine's. Go back. David's jewelers have been just at the right item, right place, special people that means the most. An antique watch, an emerald pennant, a gold necklace, a diamond ring. Trusted jeweler has been buying precious metals and antiques in Colorado for decades. Dazzling cases. You got the big showcases. He's my friend. Visit David Ellis Jewelers and see for yourself six days a week. The black awning on the corner of 3rd and Clayton and Cherry Creek. Explore DavidEllisJewelry.com. E-L-L-I-S. DavidEllisJewelry.com. Call David at 303-322-8779 and tell him Peter Boyle sent you. Here we go, everybody. It is 10-51-9 before the hour. 53 will be the high. 50 tomorrow. I'm Peter Boyles. We go to the phones. Uh, we'll start with uh, Beth. Thanks. You waited. Good morning. You're on the show. Hi, Peter. Um, I really wanted to ask um, Flynn this, but um, I wondered if he used uh, any research from Michael X. Martin, who infiltrated um, the order um, when he was a Gonzaga University student. I actually, um, you know, I, I, actually, I actually met him. I know who he is. Good. Yeah. Good. I, I, uh, um, I, I don't it th- was a fascinating story because he over he and his partner um, overheard 
them talk about a Jewish talk show mm-hmm. yeah. host who was on their hit now, list. That, that was not in Kevin's book, but I did meet okay. him. I, I know who he is, and I, and I did meet him, yeah, so. It was a neat kid, but I just want to tell yeah. you, um, the day after Alan was killed, mm-hmm. um, Denver policeman and an FBI guy came to my door in Denver, where I was living, mm-hmm. and um, I think they had tapped Michael's phone because he called me and said, God, the FBI wants to talk to me. I don't want to talk to them. And I said, Michael, you have to talk to them. So they waited while I went downstairs and, and got the, the articles that Michael had sent me. But I, I just thought, oh, they thought this was a Denver connection oh, they, or okay. something. They were the they feds, were checking out Michael. No, they, they were they were everywhere. I mean, in the aftermath yeah. of this, especially when they fig- when it was figured that it had gone interstate and wasn't a local murderer and, you know, everything like that had happened. Right. But initially it was just a Denver con- – here's a, here's a connection. Mark Crowley, who was our chief of staff and yes. keeps it – Mark was a rookie cop on the street that night. There's a picture yeah. when – I mean, listen. Hey, thank well. you. Thank you. Very – I mean, good call. Thank you, ma'am. We go to Pam. Pam, we got about three minutes. You're on a radio show. Good morning. Uh-huh. Oh, hi. Um, hi. So um, I was just wondering why uh, you wrote that article in the Glendale about uh, Friends of Bill. Mm. Like, what was the meaning behind that? You were kind of a topic of discussion today. And well, um, the, so the, I was the just police, kind of the wondering. Police, about, I've been, the, I can tell you what you're asking. Uh, the, okay. pl- the police officer yeah. was attacked by radio people and by television people. Um because he was, he's been in recovery for 36 months, more than that now. And he yeah. puts his uniform on, goes to schools, goes to groups, and talks about sobriety. And people were trying to have him demoted, kicked off the job. And the position that was my position, recovery has meaning, recovery has significance, and that he is to be a trusted person. He's not to be treated like he right. was treated. And that's why, you know, Bill never yeah. used last names. It's Fairly right, self-explanatory. Right. And Why? Yeah, I just, yeah. Well, I, I kind of was thinking that a lot of people were kind of saying other things, not following the t- traditions and that. I understand. And I mean, I've been sober 30 years myself. Oh, that's cool. that. And I kind of thought you did it for that, too, because you know what? I think a lot more people need to know about what's going oh, on. Oh, listen, I broke. And alcoholism is a disease. You bet. So if you don't do your meetings, you like well, the diabetic all, doesn't do their insulin, yeah. you know, they don't per, live, you know, live. Because of time. I, I love you and I love your call. Right. Um, I, broke my, yeah. I broke my anonymity um, after like about 16 or 18 months. And I had a wonderful, wonderful person who lived with me through all of that, a, a man who was my, uh-huh. my, we know about sponsors. And I said, you know, I want to talk about it. And he said, no, I took a lot of heat when I broke anonymity and said that I'm alcoholic and an addict. But in the long run, there's been a ton of people that we've been able to help. You know, I copped to it. And that officer, who I've never met, by the way, I've never met him. Um, But I defended him against some pretty nasty stuff that was said. I know airline pilots. I know physicians. I know prosecutors. I know attorneys. I know judges. I know people from all walks of life who are in recovery. And that's why Bill said we're not going to use last names. So, yeah, no, yeah. And that's why I wrote it. And, and it was like, and because these people, they were going to set recovery back about 50 years with that kind of, you know, like, yeah, you, like yeah, there's something yeah. wrong with you. Well, no, I tell you, we're working on a project yeah. right now 
um, with uh, young people in recovery for uh, a television show. The youngest kid I've met, 13 years old, Pam. I don't, yeah, I can't, well, good I, for him. I, I no, mean, yeah, it. No, just, I'm not going to break the, the story yet. So how, right. how long have you been well, sober? 30 years. 30 years, yeah. Wow. I'm, um, I'm from Illinois and uh, gotten a, sober in a group called Lamont Oaks. Sure. And um, it's been really good and I've been around. But um, I just think it's, for me, um, I just think that nowadays with everything going on in the world, too, it is oh. good to get the AA out no. there because yeah. there's so many people that have problems now, you know. And like More, you said, you've helped people along the years, and yeah. and that's a wonderful thing, you know. Well, you're it really, kind. really is. You're very kind. But I, yeah. you know, I'm, it's like, like that young, the officer said, and I quoted him in the piece, I saved my own life. And I can't tell you yeah. how many times I say that, that. And it was yeah, follow, we just got time, time. It was following Alan's murder. Actually, was when I, when I um. That, yeah, uh, I was reading that. Yeah. yeah, that was in there. Yeah. Okay. I love well, you. Well, thank you so Thanks, much, Peter. Right. Thank God you, bless man. you. You too. Okay. Thank you. All right, now, UFOs. Yes, MUFON coming up on the other side. Um, I've loved this stuff since I was a little kid. We'll pick it up. Seven ten K in US. And again, somebody said the name of Kevin's book, The Silent Brotherhood, was Kevin and Gary Gary Gerhardt's book. I'm Peter Boyles. It's a Saturday morning. Seven ten K in US. We are Denver's talk station. Stay here.